on a hill called Calvary some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross between two thieves. His crime, he claimed to be the son of God. He healed the sick, the lame, the blind, and the broken. He loved the unlovely. He fed thousands and ministered to even more. And then he preached a gospel that said the only way to be saved is to believe in him and through grace and mercy, not one of works. And you see, this infuriated the religious leaders who believed that you had to live to a certain rules or regulation or obey the certain amount of laws to establish your place in society, to establish your place in eternity. And this perversion of the law is what infuriated them, the fact that there was this man who claimed that they maybe didn't have it quite right. So what did they do? They became so frustrated and, and so angry, and their hearts so full of hatred, that they premeditated the murder of an innocent man. So Jesus was arrested, he was flogged, he was beaten, crowned with a crown of thorns, and then ultimately crucified and murdered on a cross. And this is where we begin today's reading and today's story is from Luke chapter 23, as Jesus is on the cross. It says, on one of the criminals who were hanged, who was hanging next to him, so one of the thieves who was hanged next to him, railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and when we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards, of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong and he said Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus said to him truly I say to you today you will be with me in paradise so on the cross you have two thieves and these two thieves both have a similar past a similar background a similar history maybe even a similar upbringing but in this moment in time there couldn't be further uh, from different. They couldn't be more different. They're not similar at all. In fact, thief one is, is mocking Jesus. He's ridiculing Jesus. He's jesting at Jesus and saying, if you are Jesus, if you are the son of God, if you are this man, then save yourself. He's jumping in with the crowd and scorning, mocking hatred. He's one of the vilest of all characters. Even in his moment of excruciating pain, as he's hanging on a cross crucified, he continues to mock and that's how he decides to use his last energy on this earth. And then you have the other thief to the other side. And his response is not save yourself. His response is save me. He's full of guilt and shame and remorse. He's seeking to understand and to know God. He, yes, he's one of the vilest characters and, and that gets, but here's the, here's the reality is that he gets a glimpse of truth in his last moments. He uses his last energy to defend Jesus. So here is Jesus being mocked because he didn't save himself. Yet, because he didn't save himself, he was saving us all. Here's Jesus being mocked because he didn't save himself. Yet, because he didn't save himself, he was saving us all. By being unwilling to save himself, Jesus is there saving the whosoevers. Like it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes. Jesus is innocent, killed by the guilty. There's so much irony in this. What a picture. There's no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life 
for another. This is the real Jesus. In his final moments, here's Jesus showing the world that his love has no bounds. This unconditional love of Jesus is so real, it's so evident, it's so intentional, and so ready, and it's available at all times. If Jesus is willing to save this man, even in this moment, think of what he would do for you today. Matthew one twenty one says that she will give birth to a son. This is talking about Jesus coming. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save the people from their sins. So here we have a picture of a thief on a cross. A thief who had a change of heart on a cross. And there's three things that he said that I want to point out to you today. And I think they're important for us because I believe we can all put ourselves in the shoes of this thief. And in fact, this story is so important that all four Gospels recount this almost word for word. And so what are the three things that, that the thief said that I think are important for you today? One is he said this. He said, do you not fear? In conversation with the other thief who was mocking and jesting Jesus, he said, do you not fear God? This was his acknowledgement of God's power, of God's sovereignty, of God's glory, of the deity of God. He understood and he believed that God was real. The second thing he said, he says, he says, we are receiving the due rewards for our deeds. In this moment, he's owning up to his own sin. This is a struggle, I think, for most of us. We maybe believe in God, but have we truly considered the depravity of our soul? For most of us, maybe we think something along the lines like this. I'm not as bad as that guy. Maybe I'm not a murderer, or I haven't kidnapped anyone, or haven't robbed a bank, or done anything like that, etc., 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 I'm pretty good compared to them. Well, here's what Romans tells us. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, 18, and 27. It says this, There's none righteous, no, not one. And then in verse 18, it goes to say, No fear of God before eyes. So there's none righteous. And the reason there's none righteous, no, not one, meaning we all have sin. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And that's Romans 3, 27. The reason I'm saying that is because they don't have a fear of God in their eyes. So this fear of God and this idea of this is this understanding that God is God and we are not and that we have sin. And this man in that moment, the thief on the cross, he recognized and owned up to his own sins. He says, dude, I'm receiving a due reward for my own deeds. And here's our problem, I think. When we approach the cross, when we approach this scene, I think for a lot of us, we try to change what we do before we change who we are. I think that's the problem a lot of us face. Let me say that again. I think what we do is we try to change what we do before we change who we are. And here's what I mean by that. We think, I'll get better first before I come to Jesus. I need to get some things in my life right. I need to maybe pray a little bit or maybe need to, to, to stop doing this or stop doing that habit or maybe need to, to break up with this person or stop being friends with this person or start stop watching this or listening to this. And, I, and you may think, well, that's, maybe that's not true. Like, I don't think that way. I would come to church or I would, I would believe in God or I would have a, a better relationship with the real Jesus if I wanted it. But here's, here's why I think this is true. Because I do this with the gym all the time. I think this, I think, well, after I eat healthy for a week, then I'll go back to the gym because I don't want to go work out after I've just had a cheeseburger for dinner and lunch. I mean, <laughs> that's the truth, really. And then to think maybe, you know, once I get my schedule lined up and a little bit better, and once I get some better disciplines and get used to waking up earlier, then I'll start going to the gym. And maybe you've made those kind of thoughts or gestures in your own life. And I think we do this all the time. And I think we even do this with our spiritual walk with God. We think if I get this thing right, 
If I could change what I do before I change who I am. But in the thief's final moments, he realized he just needed to own it. He needed to re be real that there's nothing, nothing uh, about his life that was going to uh, achieve what he needed in that moment. There's no works of service. There's nothing that he could do. He was in his final moments. The only thing that could save him would be the grace of Jesus. And that's what he remembered. And so the third thing that, that I believe that the thief said that I think we can kind of pull from today is the thief said this. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see, this is a big phrase. This is not just the thief saying, hey, can I go to heaven? And that is part of what he's saying. He's saying, hey, I would, I would love to be saved. But what he's saying, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's recognizing that Jesus is the king of kings. When he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he's recognizing that Jesus is the son of God. He's confessing with his mouth who Jesus is to him. And not only that, he's also recognizing that this, this testimony and this, these scriptures, these prophecies that have been talked about for thousands of years are going to come true. And he recognizes something that the disciples don't even recognize, that Jesus' death is not the end. He's coming back to life. How would you say, well, remember me when you come into your kingdom, if he really believed when he died, that was the end. But he didn't. He believed in Jesus. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God. And he believed that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom and that he was going to rise again. And see, here's the thief. What the thief recognized, I think, would be so important for you today to recognize, is that, that your greatest threat, your greatest threat in life is not death. It's eternity. The thing that we should be worried the most about in life is not sickness or financial stresses. It's not any disease or, or frustration or relationships or tensions. The thing that should, should fill our heart with the most angst is not the temporary things of this earth, but the thought of, do I have a plan for my eternity? The thief recognizes this as he's hanging on the cross. He recognizes that in this moment, as he is dying, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that Jesus would remember him when he steps into the kingdom. And I love Jesus' response. And this is good news for you and me today. Jesus says this. He says, truly, truly as if to say, trust me, believe me. Like what I'm about to say, listen in. Because what I'm about to say is going to radically change your life. He says, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So three things, truly, is trust me. You will be with me. Jesus is saying, you've been on the outside looking in, but now I'm inviting you to be part of my family. You're now embraced as part of my family. I love you. I cherish you. I'm bringing you in. You're now part of me. And he says, you'll be with me in paradise. And he gives him the, the hope and the promise of the future in heaven. But see, here's the, here's the reality. And I think this is where some of us get caught up. Is this man had no opportunity to serve at his church. He had no opportunity to tithe or to give or to be generous. He had no opportunity uh, to, to give to a building fund. He had no opportunity to go back to those that he stole from and to seek forgiveness from those that he had wronged. He had no opportunity to become a member of a local church or to back when I was a, in high school, I remember when they would give a salvation altar call, the, the pastor would invite us to burn all your CDs you know, he had no opportunity to do that. If you're, if you're old school like me, that may, may ring true to you. You know, no opportunity to burn all his secular CDs or to quit his harmful habits. In this moment, this, this thief had no opportunity to do anything but to do these three things was to believe, to repent, and confess. Romans 5.8 tells us this. 
while we are still yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the thief, he literally gives nothing, literally gives nothing for someone who's given him everything. And this is our story. This is my story. This is your story. There's nothing that we can give to God that would merit the gift that he's given to us through salvation. Because what Jesus did while, he was, while we were still sinners, while Jesus knowing that we wouldn't get our lives completely together, knowing that we would make mistakes, knowing that we wouldn't have it all right, Jesus knowing that still gave his life. In 1 John 4.10 it says this, This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. This is love. This is what Jesus has done. There's no amount of things that we can do. There's nothing, no acts of service. There's nothing that Jesus is looking for from you in order to be saved. The reason that he came, the reason that he died, the reason that he went on the cross isn't in hopes that you would do something for him. It was only because he loves you. He loves you so much. And in fact, I, I can, as I'm thinking about this and thinking about how much God loves us, it makes me think about my dad. And, and I remember when I first started driving, I was 16 years old and only been driving a few weeks. And um, I pulled up to this stop sign and couldn't quite see around. There was a dumpster parked in the corner. And I kind of inched forward past the stop sign to see what was coming around. And as I did that and pulled out kind of into the lane, uh, a lady came and hit the front of my truck and and we had a wreck and I remember man as that hit me like I just was scared to death like I, I was just been driving a few weeks I was by myself I didn't really know what to do and in times past there's been so many things that I had done some dumb things and some things that that I maybe wish I hadn't had done I, the last thing I thought was I'm gonna call my dad but in this moment in this moment I knew the first thing I needed to do was call my dad not because I was scared of getting in trouble, but because I needed help. And I think this is how maybe many of us are today, is that we're scared that if we come to God and we come to Jesus and we're real about who we are and we're real about who we've been and, and we confess our sins, and Jesus is going to go, hey, you've crossed too many lines. You've done too many things. Like, there's, there's no point of return. I don't love you. That couldn't be further from the truth. And I think this is what some of our approach has been. We think, I messed up dad's going to kill me. When the reality is, it should be more like this. I messed up. I need to call my dad. And so today, if that's you, if you say, John, I, I've made some mistakes. I'm not perfect. And I recognize in this moment, I have a lot, a lot of things similar. In fact, my life with the, the life of the thief is parallel. Maybe I'm not a thief, but I can, I can recognize that I'm receiving the rewards that are due my deeds. And I've done things that are wrong and I've made mistakes and I've said things and I've got habits and I've made decisions and I've gone places. I've, I've been part of things that I know aren't right. And what I need today is to be saved. And here's the good news for you is that Jesus already paid the price. He loves you so much. He cares about you so much that he was willing to give everything even though you had nothing in return to give. That's how much Jesus loves you. And today I want to invite you to call on him. Just like I had that wreck and I, my first thought was I got to call my dad. If you're in a place in life and you go, I need saving, I want to invite you to call on God. And Romans 10 tells us how to do that. It says this, that if you declare with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Salvation, saving, rescuing, redeeming is that easy. All you have to do is believe, is to repent, and to confess. And if you look at the story of the thief, that's exactly what he did. He believed, he said, do you not fear God? And then he he, he repented. He said, I, I've, I've got deeds and I've done things that put me on this cross. Jesus did nothing but what I've done, I deserve to be here. And then he confessed. He said, Jesus, remember me when you go to your kingdom. He confessed that Jesus was Lord, that Jesus was going to live again, and that Jesus was the King of kings and the Son of God. So today I want to invite you to do that. It's that easy to be saved. Jesus loves you so much. He's already done all the work. All you have to do is declare with your mouth believe in your heart and to repent from your sins. So let's do that together. I want to invite you to do this. If you're watching from home or your living room, maybe you're watching with friends, anyone who's around, I want to ask you just to repeat this prayer with me. No matter who you are, if you're, if you're here by yourself or you're there with everyone, just everyone, just repeat this prayer after me. And we're going to believe that many right now are making Jesus Lord of their life. Let's pray. Say, dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to this earth. Thank you for his sacrifice. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, but I also believe that you rose from the dead to make a way for me to be with you. And for that, I say thank you. Jesus, I repent of my sins. There's so many things that I've done wrong. I come before you as a broken, humble person, desperately needing to be saved. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I love you. I'm going to follow you for all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for praying that prayer with us today. Today, if you prayed that prayer, if you made Jesus Lord of your life, we've got a free gift we want to give you. We want to partner with you. And in fact, it says this in, in the New Testament, that when even one person gets saved, that all of heaven parties, that there's people celebrating. And today we're celebrating with you. We're so thankful for you. We're so excited for you. You just made the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. But that's just step one. I want to invite you to do this. I want you to invite you to do this. Text the word, Jesus saves, no spaces in between it. Jesus saves to 97,000. So text the word, Jesus saves with no spaces to 97,000. We've got a free gift for you. We want to help you take your next steps in your faith journey. And we want to celebrate with you. Congratulations and happy Easter.